Today, though, we are finishing up with the last um, piece of our Heroes series, which has been fun, hasn't it, for those of you who have been around? Has it been all right? Yeah, it's been okay, hasn't it? Joe shared earlier um, this month. uh, No, hang on, we're in September now, aren't we? Last month. Um, We had a tag team preach last weekend, which was amazing. We had six fantastic speakers who were all here sharing from different heroes of the Old Testament. And today, you know, we're going to be finishing that off. I'll introduce the speaker to you in a moment. But if you haven't been around, through the month of August, we've been looking at different heroes throughout the uh, Old Testament and really just drawing inspiration from their lives and seeing what we can learn from them. And And a hero is really defined by what they overcome, isn't it? A hero is defined by, by some sort of opposition or conflict and in, in their story and in their context, they had to overcome uh, that, that, um, that opposition, that conflict, whatever it may be. And so, you know, not that they were free from failure or flaws, you know, all of them were, but there are certain aspects of their lives where they, where they champion faith and we can draw some inspiration from them and apply it to our own lives and say, hey, I can, I can do that too. If they can do it, so can I. And so today, as I said, we're finishing that up. And as you can see, there's all these props here. So I'm sure you're wondering what's going on here. There's not usually a mirror on stage, is there, or chairs, or any of this stuff. So can I welcome to you this morning's speaker, Sean. Give him a hand. Good morning, everybody. For those that have heard me speak before, I very rarely do a service without a prop. I I love my props. Um, Once I preached from a couch because I saw someone else do it and I thought if he can do it, I can do it. But this time I I have a mirror and um, I'm really excited about using it, but we'll get to that later. So, as Simon has kindly introduced us to the series, we are talking about a hero of faith and I'm really excited today to share with you one of my favorite heroes, the main man, Gideon. Everyone know the story of Gideon? Yeah, well, for those who don't, don't worry. I'm going to take you on a crash course in Gideon's life. But before we get to that point, I want to kind of set you some context so you can understand kind of what is happening in the world at this time. So, if you like to follow along in your Bibles, which is a great thing to do in church, we um, are going to be following along, um, and it's in Judges chapter 6, and we're going to be kind of popping in and out. We're going to kind of be skipping through the story of Gideon's life in this, in this book. Um, so if you jump to there, follow me along, and we'll, get, and we'll kind of pick up bits and pieces, but I would love you guys to kind of see where we're going uh, with the text today. But as I said, we're going to start with some context. So... Gideon, the main man, he is set in a period of time that's about 1200 BC. So it's about 200 years, roughly, give or take, since Joshua and all the Israelites kind of came out of the, the wilderness and entered into the, what they called the promised land, which uh, kind of is, is known as an area of land called Canaan. And, and this is really interesting because the, the Israelites were more often than not uh, shepherds. They'd been wandering around the wilderness for, for 40 years. And um, a lot of the, the traits and stuff that they learned um, when they were in Egypt had kind of been kind of died out um, through that next generation. And they're wandering the wilderness for 40 years and looking after the herds. And when they moved into uh, this place called Canaan, 
um, we have some misconceptions kind of about what happens here. Because actually, uh, we kind of have this idea that, you know, Joshua and his armies came in and they, they took over the whole place. And, and we kind of imagine that like Israel had these kind of fixed borders and was one unified nation. But actually, it was a little bit different. Most of the Israelites were farmers, as I said, um, and, and they lived in tents. There were some small villages, some, some small towns, and, and each one was kind of in its own tribe. And so you can imagine like each name, uh, house, uh, you know, Dan, for example, um, and uh, all these different places, uh, Manasseh is one we're talking about uh, today, where are their own little tribe. And in their own little tribe, they had their own kind of fixed borders. But the thing is, when they came into Israel or into Canaan, they didn't actually defeat all of the local people and all the local nations. So what you have is you've got the kind of the original people there and you've got some neighboring nations that are kind of these tribes and you've got all these different tribes of Israel and what you've kind of got is, the, is, is an Egyptian document actually says that it describes it kind of how we can see it as the modern uh, American Wild West. And you kind of had these kind of tribal wars all the time where different nations were kind of raiding each other, different ha- like towns or places in uh, Israel were raiding other fellow nations. Um, and, and we're kind of in this kind of context. And, and this Egyptian document says that they, would, they didn't want to, they couldn't pass through with chariots. So they had to kind of, because they were worried about being raided or wild animals. So they kind of went around Canaan when they were doing their military campaigns, which is really, really interesting stuff. But as you can see, we've got a lot going on. We've kind of got these tribes happening um, and we've kind of got lots of like uh, military wars happening all the time. And it's within this context, uh, a neighboring nation called Midian had come in and was kind of oppressing um, some certain tribes within the Israelite nation. And here we enter our hero, Gideon. Now Gideon, Gideon's a pretty cool guy. He's got a legacy that spans about 3,200 years. He's known to most as this mighty military leader. In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews 11, it describes him as a, a mighty man of faith. And he's mentioned along the likes of Samuel and David and Samson. It's pretty amazing. Actually, like the 300 Spartans, he's equally remembered as one of those um, elite forces that were a symbol of elite forces that can go through and kind of defeat something against like massive numerical odds and, and like overthrow these things. And he's, he's reminded of that. In fact, a lot of military in post-biblical times, in the 12th century, 16th and 17th centuries, they describe um, Gideon and they use poems around Gideon to kind of inspire the troops in these things. Actually, even modern day, in just post-World War II, or in World War II, uh, there was a British elite special forces in the East African campaign called the Gideon Force. He is this guy that's had a legacy that's lasted a long time. Yet, this hero that I've just described to you is nothing that I have been inspired about. In fact, the things that's inspired me about this guy wasn't how he ended up. It was actually the journey it took to get him there. And so what I want to do now is kind of have a look a little bit about that journey. So we're going to pick up and read our first bit of passage of Scripture excitingly. Right, so if we can jump to Genesis, uh, sorry, not Genesis, (laughs) wrong book, (laughs) Judges 6, and we're going to start at verse 11. So the angel of the Lord came down and sat under the oak in Ophrah, 
that belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So just to pause right there. So here we go. Uh, threshing wheat in a wine press, that is not usual, guys. We don't usually do that. But because of what I described earlier, the Midianites coming in and raiding, they were in a really oppressive state here. And so for fear of his life and for losing the food for his family, he was doing this in a, in a wine press. Right, let's continue. So, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders of our ancestors um, that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have. And save Israel at a Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. So here we are introduced to this guy who's kind of working in oppressive conditions to provide for his family. And it's this scene that shows this frustration with the situation. Yet it's within this messy in conflicting context, that an angel of God shows up and speaks to his potential, not to his situation. So you see, we've kind of got this gap between the way that God sees Gideon and the way that Gideon sees himself. God sees his potential and the man that he was designed and called to be. But, but Gideon, on the other hand, struggled with, with self-confidence, with self-belief, that he would be able to make a difference with the skill set and his giftings. And see, for me, this is the thing that's so relatable about Gideon's life. Growing up, I didn't see him as this hero I described earlier, but as a person who struggled with self-confidence. Yet the inspiring thing about Gideon's story is that he was able to learn to cross this gap and to see himself the way that God saw him. And you're able to see in his story that he was able to grow in confidence, start believing in himself, and actually do the things that he was called to do. So how did he do this? That's the question that I was thinking about when I was prepping this message. How did he get to this place where he started to the place where I started as this hero? How did he cross this gap? Well, like this reflection in my mirror, enter the mirror. Nice segue there, guys. We are made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. We are beautifully and wonderfully made. You guys are beautifully and wonderfully made. We are his workmanship. He knows us intricately. In fact, it says that he knows every hair on our head, which for me is not that many. <laughs> but for some of you, that's a lot of hair. He knows our gifts. He's given us gifts. He's given us personality. He's made us unique. And special. This is how God sees us. This is how we've been made. Yet how many times in our life, enter chair number one, do words 
kind of come in here and kind of hit us, hit our self-belief a little bit. We often focus on the negative, don't we? Someone can say a lot of positive things, but occasionally someone says something that really gets us here. And we kind of forget a little bit about this. And we start thinking a little bit about this. And how many times have we made certain decisions in our life? That was loud. Certain decisions in our life that's kind of knocked our confidence. And we, and we focus on the bad decisions that we've made and the, 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 the uselessness that we are. And how many times have we compared ourselves to other people where we've kind of judged ourselves based on what other people see us as or we think, oh, that person's so much better than what I am. I could never be that good. And we judge ourselves and we compare ourselves to other people to our own detriment. And, and what all of a sudden we've got is this gap, this giddying gap of how we see ourselves and how God sees us. And what I want to talk about today is how do we cross this gap? How do we start to grow in our confidence, in our self-belief, in the way that God designed us, in our calling? Well, the first thing I want to touch on, the first kind of step, I suppose, if you call it a step, a cross, a leap, whatever we want to kind of do, um, the first thing I found in the story of Gideon's life was that he let encouragement reach the heart. Now, I believe that encouragement should really be something that um, is a, a reinforcer of the truth that we should already know about ourselves. But sometimes when we're struggling with our identity and our self-image and our self-confidence, it's really hard to believe that. And we need encouragement to remind us of the way that God sees us the way that we've been created, the unique makeup of our skill set. And it's okay to talk about the unique makeup of our skill set. We have giftings. We have talents. And it's okay to acknowledge that sometimes. In fact, science shows that encouragement is actually vital for our development. I was doing a, a course recently, uh, the other week, and, and one of the stats that pulled out there really like, I was like, whoa, this is like right on what I'm talking about. This is amazing. But they said that in a relationship, for it to thrive, for every one negative thing that's said, we need five positive things said by that person in order for us to be able to function well in that relationship. One in five. We've got a little joke down here. I'm not sure what that was, but that's good. Um, in a work context, for every one thing said negative about your employee or as an employee, we need to have about three positive things said by that same person in order for us to effectively develop. And I, I just found that was a really interesting stat. And I was like, and, and I don't know who it was by, but we were doing this course and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And my wife was doing some, some training and, you know, she's the she's children pastor here and she was doing some stuff um, with the kids in a program called Kids Matter. And she was highlighting to me that under 10 years old, that kids need for their development at least eight to 10 hugs a day and, and about that same amount in positive affirmation. Encouragement is vital for our development. 
It's so important that we have this in our life. But I also believe that encouragement has the most impact on a person when it comes from a credible source. Because often if we're not in a great place and anyone just encourages us, if we don't really believe that about ourselves, we're more likely to kind of question it. We're more likely to just throw it away and not let it hit our heart. And this is where we pick up the story of Gideon. See, in Gideon's story, when the angel, who at the time was a complete stranger to Gideon, when the angel encouraged Gideon, Gideon's reaction was a disbelief. And he was to question the, per- the person's, or the angel's, credibility. Interestingly, the angel says, you know, I will be with you and you can do this and we'll do this together. But Gideon goes on to say in verse 17, if I have now found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please don't go away until I've come back with an offering and set it before you. And the Lord says, I will wait until you return. So the angel kind of waits around for we don't know how long for Gideon to come prepare some food for an offering. And then the angel performs a miracle that completely blows Gideon's mind. And he's just like, whoa, you actually are from God, like you said. Therefore, maybe just maybe the things you're saying about my life might actually be true. And it was a a heart moment. The encouragement reached his heart. So in other words, I think if we want to start crossing this gap, we need to have encouragement from credible sources to remind us of our giftings and to reinforce the things that are true. Because we are blessed that the creator, and we're also blessed that the creator of the universe has written some of these things down for us to read and meditate on to encourage us in our journey of confidence, to encourage us. And we also have an incredible church family, credible people who can speak into our lives and encourage us. Right, so that was my first thing. The second thing I want to talk about today to help us cross this gap is to have faith in the fear and trust through the tests. It was really interesting this morning. I just really felt the presence of God in worship this morning. And I really just felt like God put in my heart this, this, this message and this point. And, um, and, then, and then Simon got up and started talking about fear and, and faith. And I was like, how did you even know? So this morning, I, I don't know, I'm just going off pace a bit here, but I feel like if, if this is something that's speaking to you, just come talk to me later and we, we can pray about this because I think having faith through fear and trust through our tests is not an easy thing to do, but we all go through it at times. See, what, this is, what I'm talking about here is that encouragement on its own is not enough. See, once Gideon had an encounter with God, he didn't just stop and wait for this warrior stuff to just happen. No, no, he didn't. He needed to start to go through the process of learning to trust God, to start to grapple with his calling on his life and start to believe for himself that he was actually the man for this mission and he could actually do this. But the best thing is that God didn't want him to just jump in the deep end either. He wanted the best version of Gideon for the job. And he knew that he knew his calling and he wanted Gideon to know his calling and that he could do it and he was able to identify with this. So what's he do? He tells Gideon, he first, the Lord first sends Gideon on a smaller mission. And I'm going to pick up again in the story um, in verse 27. But basically, the first mission is that he wants him to go out and tear down this big idol in the town and build an altar to God in its place. 
So in verse 27, it says, So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and his townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. See, sometimes even if we've had an encounter with God and we've had encouragement from credible people, when taking small steps forward into a new area, it can still be scary. But Gideon had faith through the fear. And he trusted God, maybe for the first time. And he took a step, and it wasn't perfect either. In fact, there was consequences for his actions. But he got through unscathed. And he grew bolder. But the lessons continued. It didn't just stop there. Um, the, the story kind of moves on a bit, and things start to kick off in the story. We've got the Midianites who, Midianites who attack, and then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew his trumpet as a call to arms, but then he needed more confirmation. That God, can I do this? Is this really, am I able to do this? He needed to get through that process where he needed to learn to trust God through the tests. I think it's really hard and challenging thing to do, to trust God in our lives. Sometimes I also wonder, does God look down at me and say, hey, I want to do something big in your life. I want to use you. But do you trust me? Because I think if we're going to learn to grow in confidence, we need to learn to trust in God. I believe that if we want more of God in the future, we need to be trusted at right now. Jesus explains in Luke 16.10 that whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. As we can see, this is happening in this story here. But one of the things I, I, I learned is that, God, I, I want you to trust me like you trust Gideon as well. Because trust is a two-way thing. And say, I want to say to God, God, I'm trustworthy. God, you can trust me with more of you. You can trust me with the things of you. You can trust me with blessing. You can trust me with responsibility. You can trust me with leadership. But God, you don't have to just trust me with the great things either. You can trust me with the challenges. You can trust me with the problems. You can trust me with the mistakes, with the failures. Because I know that if you trust me with the little things now, you can trust me with much more in the future. And I was thinking about this and I was, I was sharing this kind of idea with, with a friend. And he, he shared a story and, and he said I could share this. And he, he's been kind of going through a time actually where this idea of learning to trust is something that he's kind of been struggling with to trust God because his world's kind of fallen apart a little bit. He was in a breakup recently. It was really bad. He um, had a house and he was trying to sell it. He sold it and he was excited about that and got a new job lined up and got a, he bought a house himself and, um, and then the house fell through and then the other house fell through and then he couldn't buy the house that he wanted and then he's in this place where he's like, where am I going? I'm about to start a new job. I don't have a place to, to sleep. What am I going to do? And, and it knocked his confidence. And, and he's kind of going through this, this, this thing where he's, he's blocking the way that God sees him and, and he's cool in his life and it's, 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 it's becoming a blockage and he's learning to trust in God that actually God in this uncertainty you have my back. doesn't matter what's going to happen. I'm going to take a step forward, just like Gideon did. 
I'm going to start doing these little things because if you trust me now, I know you're going to trust me with more bigger things in the future. And it's always messy, but that's okay. So my third thing that I want to share with you today, my final thing, is to help us cross this gap is have confidence in our calling. See, once we've had encouragement, we've learned to kind of have faith in the fear and trust through the test, we can start to walk with confidence in our calling. It gives us confidence. So what happens in this story is Gideon raises up an army and a large one at that. But God wanted to change things up because that's what he likes to do. And in chapter 7, verse 2, Gideon, uh, the Lord says to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands because Israel will then boast against me, saying it was my own strength that did it. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear can turn back and leave for Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left with 10,000 leaving remaining. And this goes on, and a culling goes on, to the point where there's only 300 people left. And with 300 people, Gideon was able to defeat the enemy. But having have already gone through these experiences and these things that I had kind of talked about already, he started to have confidence that God had a plan, that he knew that God was going to deliver, and that he wasn't going to be one of those 22,000 people that left when he was afraid. But he was able to have confidence in his calling because he had trust through the tests. He had faith in his fear. And he had some encouragement that was spoken over his life about the truth, about what God sees him as and what the call that he had on his life was going to be. So when we struggle with self-confidence and self-image, take a tip from Gideon's story. Let encouragement reach our heart. Have faith in the fear and trust through the tests and have confidence in our calling. So I could just end it there, but actually I wanted to be a bit vulnerable with you guys today, if that's okay. And I want to share a little bit of a story about my life so you can see this, kind of how this has kind of played out for me. Um, because I think it, it's important as a family, we kind of just share that this is real stuff. We're not all, we're not all there. So when I was growing up, I, I had an um, amazing brother and an amazing sister. And they were really, really talented people. Really talented. And I as the oldest one, kind of looked up to them. And I always compared myself to the way that they did things. And I always wanted to be like them. And I always judged my own performance and I compared my giftings to the giftings that they had. And I thought, well, he's a really good athlete, but I'm not. Therefore, he's better than me. And then what didn't help with that was words that were spoken over my life benchmarks that were kind of set between me and the rest of my family. The fact I talk a lot. Oh man, that hit hard. And it hit my confidence. And now anytime I had a conversation with people, I would feel anxious. And I would feel like what I'm doing by talking and communicating is actually not a good thing. It's a bad thing. I don't have anything valuable that I can input. And it hit my confidence. So what did I do? Well, I kind of just buried it a little bit and moved on. <laughs> Tried to 
go forward and take steps forward and yet hadn't dealt with some of the issues. And so one of the amazing things about meeting my wife is that she's so encouraging. She said to me, Sean, you have a gift. <laughs> Talking a lot is, is, is a good thing and it's okay to be outgoing. It's okay to do that. She encouraged me and started speaking life and the things that God sees me as. Now, I actually am beautifully and wonderfully made. I have callings. I have a calling on my life. I have gifts. I have a personality and passions. And, and, and even though that may be different to how other people see it or what other people have, that's not a bad thing because I'm unique. And the words and the encouragement that she gave Reach the heart. But words by itself, encouragement by itself, is not going to help me move forward and start to cross this gap and start, instead of it started taking some faith steps, step faith through the fear. So I started to see a life coach. And, and he reinforced some of these things, but then he also challenged me to start actually utilizing the skills that I had and to start seeing myself in, an, in, in the way that God sees me and, and started to make me take some steps of faith. And it was, I was afraid to do those things, but I tried to do that. Take one step at a time. So I have faith in my fear and trust God and, and, and go back to God in my tests and go, God, I don't quite understand this, but I'm going to trust you. And I had to start to learn that trusting God and the way that he made me was a good thing. And as I've started to do that, I've started to have confidence in who I am. Confidence in the calling that God has in my life and the giftings that God has in my life. And start to believe these things that have been spoken over me, these positive things that have been spoken over me. The steps that I've had has built me character and resilience to be able to keep going and keep steeping on and keep walking. And now all of a sudden when I see this, I see me. And it's a journey. It's going to be times where we take two steps back and one step forward and jump around and hopscotch a little bit. But look, the reality is this happens to all of us at times. And you know what? I, I don't have anything else I, I want to share this morning. I, I think I'm just going to leave it at that. I just want to do some worship, eh?